thank you. It is good to be with you today. And in 2014, I was not here, so it's my first time. <laughs> so it's, it's just lovely to be with you. And I thought I would just uh, introduce our, us a little bit. Uh, as pastors already said, we came to Ireland in 1980. We had pastored in the States about 10 years before that, and we were very young. Yes, we were just in our early 30s when we came to Ireland. And we came with the idea of uh, starting a church, planting a church. That was our heart. We are pastors. And uh, turning it over to an Irish pastor. And um, God had so much more in store than we ever dreamed of. Our first church uh, uh, we started, it was about two years because there was hardly any Pentecostal churches uh, in Ireland at the time. Uh, our first church, I wish I could say, was a flourishing church, but it no longer exists. So you have failures and you have, you have joys and you have success in ministry, but that ch church no longer exists. But in 1985, in our, in our um, sitting room of our home, a small group of us met, and it became St. Mark's Church. After a few years, we were able to buy an old building that I believe is now 275 years old, and there is a thriving church. We were the pastors there for 18 years, and were able to turn it over to Pastor Sean and Susan Malarkey. But uh, just a little bit about us personally. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I thank God for that. And young people uh, that are here, it's the best testimony you can ever have is to say you grew up in a Christian home and you remained uh, a follower of Christ all of your life. And I'm so thankful. We have a son that's a pastor and he can say that and it's the greatest testimony. Some young people, you'll be told, oh, what a testimony. I heard they were drug addicts. and But you know, the scars that they have on their lives is not worth maybe a little bit of pleasure that they had. If you're serving God, keep serving him. It's worth it. We do have three children born to us. They were 2, 10, and 12 when, or 2, yeah, 10 and 12 when we came to Ireland. And uh, now we have uh, a, a fourth child. We adopted an Irish girl that was a young adult, and um, she's just precious to us. God has done so much in her life. She's a real testimony to the grace of God in, in a person who has been through very difficult. She didn't know who her parents were, and that's how we came to be her parents. I one day said, well, I'll be your mom. You never knew your mom, and we were mom and dad ever <laughs> ever since. She's now the head counselor in the, in the, in the Newbridge Church, uh, flourishing church uh, just outside of Dublin, and we're so thankful for that. We have eight grandchildren and one great-grandchild. We've been married 52 years and a half. <laughs> <laughs> We're so thankful for that in, the, in this day when uh, the enemy is attacking families and trying to destroy marriages. We are so thankful. God has been so good to us. And um, just, uh, just to say that um, Gary is English-born, born down in Thetford in Norwich County. He's a war baby. His mother has lived in uh, America ever since the war. Um, uh, right after the war, she went to the States, took him to the States. But um, we had lived in Ireland, I believe, 18 or 19 years, the first time we made a trip to Scotland. And we came up and visited Edinburgh and just had a lovely time. We had no idea then that in a few years God was going to connect us with Pastor um, Michael Rollo. 
your neighbors over here somewhere. <laughs> and, and now that we're coming and ministering in Scotland, and we're really blessed by that. We're blessed to be here this morning and so thankful to see what God is doing. God is moving around the world. Uh, we're speaking to our Nigerian, meeting your Nigerian families this morning, and we're thankful for the Nigerian people that are in Ireland now, and God is moving among them. And is there anybody here from Zambia today? No, you folks are from Nigeria as well. Probably no. You're from Nigeria. It's just the way God works. We have a son-in-law now. Our youngest daughter is married to uh, a man whose God is called into Christian ministry, not as a pastor, but he's working for Bible translators and was recently in Zambia and was able to see a tribe there who never had a Bible in their own language. And the photos he brought back uh, of these people so eagerly getting the word of God in their language for the first time. That was just about three weeks ago. was just such a blessing. God is moving around the world, and we're so thankful that he called us to be a part of it. There, there are, as I said, there's joys and there's sorrows. We could tell you uh, story after story, but we're thankful this morning to be here with you and see what God is doing in this part of your world for his kingdom. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Stevie hopes, Pastor Stevie hopes when he gets to heaven, he's as tall as I am. Of course, I'll just be that much taller. Amen. Met a fellow the other day, and he said to me, I said, uh, you put on a little weight since I've seen you. He said, I haven't. He said, I'm just, uh, I'm not too heavy. I'm just 12 inches too short. Anyway, it's good to be with you today. In Whitburn, I can't believe it's been four years. My goodness, Mary hadn't aged a bit. Sorry about Pastor Stevie. But anyway, uh, it's, uh, uh, it, but it is good to be with uh, Pastor Stevie and with Mary. We were with uh, Mary in one of the training sessions for ordination. And uh, so now she's the Rev, right? The Rev. We, we, we have a, a church going in Oma in uh, Northern Ireland. And uh, the pastor there is Pastor Tim Shields. And Tim holds the record, one of our pastors, he holds the record for over 40s in, in the 400-meter uh, and 800-meter race. He's been to Perth and so on in the internationals. And so locally he's known as the faster pastor. <laughs> and somebody renamed him the other day, he's the quicker vicar. But anyway, uh, he's doing amazing work. Don't quit on your prayers. Don't quit on your prayers. 20... Uh, about 20 years ago, my uh, worship leader in St. Mark's at the time, uh, Ann Trainer, came to me and she asked me to pray for her, uh, pray for her niece, Jenny, and uh, for Jenny's uh, partner, uh, and uh, that uh, they had three children, so on. They were strung out on drugs, so we we began to pray and uh, and trust the Lord for it. And then one day she came to me. About a year later, she said. Uh, uh, do, do we have a church, uh, actually it's about 18 years ago, said, so we have a church up in, uh, in uh, uh, Derry. And, and I said, yes. I said, is there a guy there called Andrew? I said, Andrew McCourt. Yeah, I see he's one of our pastors. And she said, well, my niece, Jenny, went to his church and got saved. I said, praise the Lord. And, and uh, so then uh, a few months later, they had separated uh, and uh, a few months later, because of their children and three children at the time, they, they begin to relate. And uh, 
Jenny said to Tim, Tim, would you come next Sunday and hear me give my testimony? And Jenny said, uh, and, and Tim said, well, sure. And so he came. She told how Jesus had come and set her free. So here's Tim. Tim was a very demonstrative guy and very forward, not like myself, real backward. He's real forward feeling and so on. And so uh, he's uh, standing there. She gives her testimony. He stands to his feet and shouts, I surrender. If Jesus can do this for Jenny, he can do it for me. And he runs to the front. Imagine the emotion in the house. He runs to the front. Jenny's weeping and crying. Even Andrew McCorder never gets emotional, uh, is crying. And the whole place is rejoicing, gives his life to the Lord. Uh, but they're determined. They don't think we're supposed to be together. The Lord gave them a word that uh, they were to come together. They went out for a meal. When they got to dessert, he asked her to marry him. And, uh, and today they pastor in Oma, and they have a fourth child, of course, married now, doing a work for God. We, you see, I, I looked at him Sunday three weeks ago. I was preaching there. There were about 70, 75 people uh, meeting in a school. And I looked at him, and I said, you know, I prayed for you, and I didn't even know you. And believe God that God would save you. And now you're one of our pastors and, and one of our close friends. And we're mentoring the two of them and so on. God is a good God. Don't quit on prayer. Don't quit on prayer. Don't quit on prayer. In 1932, a word went out from a group of businessmen that were praying in Charlotte, North Carolina. The word was this. Out of Charlotte will come a voice that will arrest and change the world. And uh, the, one of the leaders went to a, a young farmer, a local farmer, and he said to Franklin Graham, can we, uh, can we have a, a meeting and a revival and put up a tent and have a tent crusade on your pasture and, and on your field here? And he said, yes, you can. And on that, in that field, on the third night, Billy Graham, just a teenager, gave his life to the Lord. And next week, his grandson, and I believe his namesake, will be preaching in Scotland. May there be a voice heard in Scotland that will change the nation. Amen. <laughs> Scotland needs Jesus. And Jesus loves Scotland. And he wants to wash it with the blood of the Lamb. I think of a friend of mine, Ennis. Uh, a missionary working in Uganda and uh, saw his best friend that was uh, martyred for the cause of the gospel. He was backed up against a tree. A gun was placed to his head and he realized he was going to die. So he begins to preach the word of God to his would-be attacker. And he says to him, the blood of Jesus Christ can keep me. If it's God's plan, he will take me home. If not, his blood will touch you and change you right now. And the man began to swear at him. And he kept preaching about the blood. And the man said something to him and swore at him and walked off. Unknown to him, a young boy of seven or eight years old was standing to the side. And he came over and he said, Sir, is there enough blood for me? Is there enough blood for me? There's enough blood for all of Scotland to be saved and washed through the blood of the Lamb. Amen. And we pray that next weekend, God, you will send your glory. You will send your anointing. That, God, people will be birthed into the kingdom. And that there will be among those teenage young men and women that give their life to the Lord. Billy Grahams will be set free to touch our nation with the blood of the lamb and everyone said 
Amen. Okay, look with us in the book of all that was free, okay? All that was free. You got to pay for the rest, though. Okay, look in the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua. I think the pastor's son's named Joshua, isn't it? And he was on the drums this morning and blessing me. The book of Joshua in the uh, fifth chapter in verse 13, and I will read one scripture out of the book of Hebrews that you well know. The book of Hebrews, meaning from the New American Version. This is, I've had this Bible for 38 years, 38, 39 years. A pastor named Pastor Woodall gave it to me. He was working, he was running a bookshop, and, and I've got new Bibles and so on, but I've got so used to this, I just hate to give it up. Amen. I was preaching over in, uh, in uh, the central part of Ireland and uh, uh, ministering in a small prayer meeting. Well, actually, it was quite a large prayer meeting. It was back during the early days of charismatic Catholic renewal, and, and the Lord was doing a mighty work, and, and I was asked to go in and speak, and, and I thought I never would find this place. It was out in the middle of nowhere in a place called Monster Voice, and, and I got lost, and so I went into the community, and it was so small, it only had one Catholic church and two pubs. And so I went to the pub, and I said, uh, I, I, I'm looking for a, a, a meeting with a lady named Maura Divine, and they said, oh, is that the meeting where they go, and I said, that's the meeting. And they said, just go up the road and you just keep going. And there'll be a lot of cars. And when you get there, uh, they're out behind. You'll hear them. <laughs> and I pulled up, stopped. I could hear them. Made my way around to this prefab place. And, and it was packed with people. You couldn't have put 50 fat Americans in there. But there were 100 hungry Irish people for Jesus. There were a hundred hungry Irish people for Jesus. And so uh, uh, I, I got in and I began to uh, uh, wait for the meeting. And it was a crazy meeting. I mean, God was doing some stuff and some stuff people were doing. And people were giving words and some of it was bad Irish stew and some of it was the Lord. But anyway, I was there to lift up to Jesus. So I finally got, they, hand, they told me it was time and I got up to share because you weren't supposed to preach. You're only supposed to share. And so I got up to share. And uh, as I did, this dog come and sit. We're the only place in the house where I could have stood. And, and they said, don't worry about that dog. He's saved. And, and, and uh, halfway through the preaching, I stepped on his tail and found out he wasn't. No, anyway. Uh, the, the, uh, uh, so I, I ministered the word. And uh, shared my testimony of how I'd had a revelation of Christ when I was a, 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 my second year of university and walked into a meeting and, and, and a prophetic word came forward. I didn't know the Lord and it was a word directly to me and God set me free and I was sharing my testimony. After the meeting, this little young lady come up to me and she said, uh, can I speak to you? I said, certainly, as I was having my cup of tea. And she said, uh, she said, I came to this meeting a few weeks ago, and I didn't especially like the meeting. I thought it was too loud and too long. And people say that about me sometimes. Anyway, I said, uh, it was too loud and too long. And, and she said, uh, and I left the meeting. But she said, I had a sense that I needed something. It was missing in my life. Scotland has something that's missing in their life, and we know who it is. Amen. And she said, something was missing in my life. And so I went to my little local church, the parish church, to pray. And was praying at the statue and so on. And, and, and said, uh, 
said, I had a vision. And said, in the vision, I was hungry. I was so hungry. And, 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 uh, and, and I felt I needed fed. And said, I looked up and I saw a religious leader that I knew locally. And, and he shook his head and the vision was gone. And then, then I looked up again and I had another vision. And there was someone there. And, and I knew this person was a well-known international religious leader. And, and I asked, uh, could would he feed me? And he shook his head and said, then I began to cry. And then I looked up and, and I saw someone walking towards me with a loaf of bread. At the bread of life and said I saw him walking before me but I couldn't see it was like a cloud over their face and said suddenly a, a large hand moved the cloud and I saw the face of a man I had never seen before and then I felt I should come to this meeting and I still thought it was too long and too loud and then I started to get up and leave and they introduced you you were the third man but where's the loaf of bread I said here it is Here's the word of life. Here's the word of life and a letter to the Lord. A few weeks later, one of our group youth groups went down and she was in a meeting was filled with the Spirit because this is the word of life. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 11th chapter. Faith, reading out of the New American Standard. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For men by it, men of old gained approval in faith, we understood the world were framed by the word of God. So things which were not made out of things which are visible. In the, in the authorized version, it said, By this, men of old, women of old, received a good report. If a report was to be given on your faith today, what would be the report? A young lad was in, in university. He received his report on his dissertation and across the front of it was a, a grade a failing grade he was devastated he went to his professor and he said professor I don't deserve this failing grade the professor said that's true but that's the lowest grade I'm allowed to give <laughs> disheartening isn't it if you were given a grade on your faith today how would you grade up? Listen in Joshua. On over in, in, in Hebrews 11, it says, By faith, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. I believe today in this service in Whitburn, good crowd here today. Great to see so many of you here. I believe it, it feels like it's even grown since I was here four years ago. And that speaks of the legacy of Pastor Andrew Smith, but also speaks of the fact that God's man, woman, God's people, God's leadership is here. There's a great sense of God in the house. Amen? Say, I feel God's here. I believe there's a word for me. There's a word in the house today for me. And it says, it came about in the 13th verse of the 5th chapter that when Joshua was, about, was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Are you for us or are you against us? And he said, No, rather, I indeed come now as the captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? And the captain of the host of the Lord said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy. And so he did so. 
And we know that God spoke a word to him. And the word to him was to encircle the walls of this great city, this great ancient city, and to do it for seven days. And to do it by faith on the seventh day. Joshua had just completed the task that even the great lawgiver Moses had been unable to accomplish. Every leader that would come after Moses would be measured against the shadow of his leadership capability. And there he stood in the shadow of the great lawgiver. He had forded the Jordan River at flood tide. He had brought the entire nation into the promised land, something that Moses could not do. This journey included a journey of 400 years actually in the making when they had served as the human mud slaves for the Pharaohs and for the Egyptians. Forty years, nearly 40 years spent in Gaza. They had seen the miracles of God, but a whole generation had passed away because of unbelief. There remained Caleb and Joshua who had endured the wilderness in anticipation anticipation of the culmination of a promise of 400 years and it always seemed just in their grasp just outside their grasp and as they prepared to celebrate their great victory standing bestride the path into the promise of God was a mighty fortress of Jericho I wonder today If God has put a promise in someone's heart, God has put a, spoke a prophetic word into your life, and you know what the promise is, you know what the vision is, you know what God, the dream that you have had, that you husband that dream and nurtured that dream and nurtured that vision within your spirit, but a stride, the path into the promise of God is 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 your Jericho. Your Jericho may have higher walls and fine and wider walls than even the Jericho that they were. I don't know what your Jericho is. It may be a persistent disease that stubbornly refuses to yield to faith and to prayer and even to the best physicians in the land. You may be a businessman and you're only one portfolio away from everything falling in place Everything coming as it should, and yet it does. And perhaps it's a loved one that you have prayed for persistently, intensely, year after year after year. And the fact is, it seems that they're even farther from God than they were when you begin to pray. Perhaps it's a broken relationship, and you can't see it healed, and it, it breaks your heart each time. Your thoughts go there as you pray and you wonder, will the relationship ever be healed? Whatever it is, sin, salvation, sickness, financial challenge, whatever it is, it's your Jericho that stands between you and the promise of God. But we read in, in, we read in Joshua, the fifth chapter, verses 13 through 15, that as our hero As Joshua goes out, as he prepares to reconnoiter and see the city that is before them, to take the measure of the city that is before them, they're only 40 years removed. And he looks at this great city. He looks at how thick the walls are. And he sees the impossibility that is before them. 
And as he looks at his situation, he knows they don't have the ability. They're only 40 years removed from being a nation of slaves. He knows they do not have the ability to take the walls down. Perhaps they could just leave it and move on. But they would always be fearful that their flanks are unprotected. The best time to take down the enemy of your soul, the Jericho in your life, is today, Sunday morning, June the 10th. You've got more strength and more years left in you than you'll have tomorrow. That goes without saying. But today is the time to believe God and trust God that the Jericho has to come down. They said we could detour. We could go around it, but it would always be there ready to take them down. Now listen. Notice what happens. As Joshua gets near, as he's looking at the city, the Bible says, and and it places an emphasis on this, that Joshua looked up. Things begin to change when we begin to look up. Look at somebody and say, look up. Say it again. Look up. That's right. Things begin to change. Why don't we quit telling our great God how big our problems are and start telling our problems how big our God is? I wish I'd have said that. I did say it. I'm going to say it again. Why don't we quit telling our pro- our God how big our problems are and start telling our problems how great and mighty our God is? My goodness, my heart was lifted during the worship. My heart was elevated as we begin to worship today. About a, a little over a year ago, I, I had a bad fall and broke my uh, my, my femur and, and so it's kind of slowed me down just a little bit and, 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 and so I can't always stand as long as I want to or walk as much as I want to or run as much as I would like to But I, so I sat back down but you begin to sing in my heart I couldn't help it I had to get on my feet and bless the Lord because when I begin to look up things begin to look up when I begin to say to God God I don't care how big my problems are you're bigger than my problems problems something begins to happen and then something took place amazingly whenever the captain of the host of the Lord speaks what happens this fearless warrior the greatest warrior that Israel had at that time Joshua the captain uh, and the general of the armies of Israel he falls on his face Was he fearful? He was never fearful. He had faced down the enemy for over 40 years. He wasn't fearful. But when the Lord spoke, something happened. And he knew it was the voice. We know theologians tell us this is a pre-incarnate visitation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who's the captain of the host of the Lord? Who's going to return on a white horse? It is Jesus Christ himself with a pre-incarnate visitation in the Old, Old Testament. And he, whenever he speaks, Joshua falls to his face. Joshua did not fall out of fear. Joshua fell because he recognized the voice of the Lord. How did he know it was the voice of the Lord? I'll tell you how he knew. If you study Scripture, if you study Scripture, you understand that everywhere Moses went, Joshua was there. 
You know how to get to the top? The way, the way up is the way down. He committed himself to serve the great lawgiver, Moses himself. Everywhere Moses was, he was there. He was in what was called the tent of the meeting. Everybody just called it the tent of the meeting. Everybody knew what it was. It was the place that Moses met with the Lord and heard the voice of the Lord. And right behind him was Joshua. I remember when I came to the Lord. There was a godly man came to our home. There was a godly man visited our home. None of us were serving God. None of my family were serving God. And for four and a half years, a godly man, James Mabry, I love to say his name. You've never heard of him, but he came to our door. He knocked on our door, and he shared the love and the grace of God with us. He would leave a pamphlet. He would leave a, a New Testament. He would leave an invitation to come to the local Assembly of God Church. We never darkened the door, but he was persistent. Assistant, imagine this. Imagine this. He was knocking on the door of a 14-year-old boy that would one day be called of God to the nation of Ireland and, and, and along with a team of men and women establish a national movement. Whose door are you knocking on? Whose door are you knock? And Pastor Mabry had the love of God. And I remember watching him and the smile that was always on his face. And I used to think, if I get right with God, I want Christ like James Mabry has Christ. In fact, I thought, when I got saved, I thought, I'll rent the house next to him because I was convinced that Pastor Mabry lived right next door to Jesus and I would just be two doors down. And Joshua said, I'm going to stay close to Moses because Moses hears from God. And, and when, when he received the revelation, when he received the great revelation of the Ten Commandments, and he went down the hill, he went down the mountain. And as he proceeded down the mountain, what did Joshua do? He didn't go down the mountain. He said, I'm going to stay in the tent of the meeting. He stayed in the place that he could recognize the Lord God. I want to tell you, never underestimate the time you spend listening to the voice of the Lord. Never underestimate, my sister, you right there, do not underestimate the time you spend hearing the voice of the Lord because the Lord knows you're there. And when you face a Jericho, you'll hear a word as it were behind you saying this is the way to go. You'll know it's the voice of the Lord because you spent time with him. Amen. So he said, this is the Lord. So he bows down. And in that place, he begins to receive revelation. In that place, he begins to receive revelation. And God begins to give him the principles whereby he can bring down the walls of Jericho. It, it, what happened? What happened in this situation? You see, he went from being problem conscious to God conscious. My wife mentioned our son-in-law, Matthew, that he, he travels and he's vice president of a company called the Seed Company, which is an umbrella organization for, for uh, Bible translators, Wycliffe and all the other groups. And so about a year ago, he went to the Amazon and, and, and they were videoing and uh, 
and they were sharing the word of God and and sharing about translators. So he was gone nearly 10 days. And when he came back, he, they, have, they have three children, and they're 13 and 11 and 3 at the time, obviously a year younger. When he came back, as young as Maya, because he always come back bearing, you know, the great thing about dad leaving, his dad comes home with gifts, amen? Your dad doesn't do that? Where's Joshua? Joshua, when your dad leaves, does he always bring gifts? Yes, okay. Does he? It's not real strong. So who's that sitting next to you? What's your name? What? Sarah. Amen. I thought so. You're beautiful. Like, like your mother. Hallelujah. We'll take an offering late. No, sorry. Anyway. Mine was, the, the older kids, they were excited. What did dad bring them? You want a little Maya did? She put both arms around her dad's neck. And she didn't turn loose for nearly an hour. You see, she was taken up not with her father's gifts, but with the father. Are we taken up with the gifts of the father or the father of the gifts? The Bible says this about Moses that Israel knew of God's miracles, but Moses knew of God's ways. You see, something in Joshua said, it's not the miracles, it's the way that the Lord works. The disciples never said, Jesus, show us how to do miracles. They said, no, show us how you converse with your Father. Show us how you pray and you have a conversation with the Father. Show us how you're intimate with the Father. Because we're sure the source of the great works and the miracles come from your relationship and your connection with the Father. Are you taken up with the gifts of the Father or the Father of the gifts? And he said to him, he said, are you for us or against us? Reminds me of a little toe-headed boy, seven years old. Mama just rustled him out of bed for the third time. We all know that, don't we? Understand that if we have children. And he's looking in the mirror, and his hair is going all rich directions. And he looks in the mirror, he says, Are you for me or against me? And Joshua said, Are you for us or against us? He said, I'm neither. You see, God doesn't come to take sides. He comes to take over. God doesn't come to take sides. God comes to take over in the situation. And he had this God conscious. So he understood what God was saying. He understood what was happening. So you see, the first thing we do, back to your Jericho, the first thing we do when we face our Jericho is we begin to worship. And then we begin to walk because, you see, I have a great confidence in spiritual warfare. I have a great confidence in prayer. If I had time this morning, I can tell you three separate incidents. First in St. Mark's, then in two recent church plants where God had set aside people, two people to pray, some of them for 18 years for a church to be raised up. I believe in spiritual warfare. I believe we should walk the streets. I believe we should cry out to God. But I also believe in those moments we get the strategy to reach our city for God. 
We used to have, we used to or did in the past, in the early years, we walked the streets of Dublin praying from our church, crying out to God, hearing from God. And one, two of our couples were walking the streets, asking God for his strategy, and they noticed the homeless. They noticed the addicts that were on the street. As they began to notice them, suddenly it wasn't just enough to pray. We have to implement the strategies that God is giving us as we pray. That's what spiritual warfare is. We wait before. This is what he was doing. He was doing spiritual warfare. He was reconnoitering the city. How are we going to take down this city? And in that time of waiting on God, he receives a word from God. And as he receives this word from God, and they received a word from the Lord. They came to me. And they said, Pastor, we need to do something about the homeless that are on the streets. It rains. Anybody ever notice it rains? I want to tell you, we had two, my son was recent with us for about two weeks. We had two of the most glorious weeks. He's, he lived in Ireland for many years. He told his sister when she picked him up in, in, in Dallas, she's, she said, what did you think? He said, I've never seen two weeks of sun in Ireland and Wales in all my life. So we were enjoying it. And we crossed the border to Scotland last night. No wonder it's green. It rains all the time. Where was I at? As they began to praise, I mean, they got the strategy. As they were walking the streets, they saw the need. They said, can, can we put together kind of a little portable butane and, 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 uh, and, 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 and work on the corner down here under the old Bank of Ireland, the old Parliament building, and, and, and we'll serve tea and, tea and soup, and, and we'll share with these people. And, and, and we'll give out tracts. And, and, and so they, that, was the, that, was their, that was what they saw. It was the strategy. So we put it together, put the money together in there. I'd go down to help them. And I'd say, well, I'm not good really perhaps at talking. You, you can believe that, can't you? Anyway, I'm not good at talking, but I said, I tell you what, I, I can make a good cup of tea, and I can warm up to heat up the soup. And so I, I would feel a cup of tea, about half full, and, and, and the soup, and, and one of the girls who had agoraphobia, that was her Jericho, and God had healed her because she's out on the streets ministering for the Lord. She says, Pastor, don't do it that way. Fill them right to the brim, both of them. I said, why? I said, well, when they stand there and hold them, I said, they're so hot it'll spill on them. She said, that's right. So they can't move. And so while... The, while <laughs> oh, you're quick. I shared this I shared this in England. They didn't get it to the next week, but you've already got it. Hey, wasn't it a great rugby season this year? Hey, come on. Anyway, come on. It was a great year to be Irish and Scottish. I'm both. Anyway, ignore what my wife said. So I said, Is there, this will spill them. She said, that's the idea. While the soup and the tea is cooling down, you heat them up with the gospel. <laughs> Did it work? A young man was across where they were handing out tracts. Are you with me? Still talking about Jericho. Still about hearing a word from the Lord. And the track blew over. It was the track of the testimony of John Edwards. Some of you heard of John. The world's heard of John. And, and, and it blows over and it's his testimony and says... If you'd like to know more about how John got set free, come to St. Mark's Church at 10.30 on Sunday morning. 
And this young man got that track. He was real backward, struggled with depression. And Luke picked that up. Because he wouldn't go over and ask for it. But he picked it up across the street in front of Trinity College. He makes his way the next Sunday morning down at 10 o'clock. He watches people go in and out. But he struggles with crowds. So he couldn't come in the first Sunday. And the second Sunday. And the third Sunday. And on the third Sunday, he noticed a crowd coming in he hadn't seen before. And he thought, he already knew the crowd better than I He thought he'd attach himself to them and come in. And that morning, he was sitting in the back row. I preached the gospel. He comes to front and gets saved. He's a part of our church for years. And a few months ago, he got cancer and went to heaven. You see, that's what it's all about, friend. We get the, we wait on the Lord. Then we get a word from the Lord. Then we implement that word. And people that were going to hell end up in heaven by the grace of God. Amen? That's a good word. Say praise the Lord. A simple act of obedience. He said, so I want you to go and I want you to march around the city. Foolish. You see, God's word... It's not to be understood always, but it's to be undertaken. Why would God bring Wilma and I all the way from southeast Oklahoma? All of you heard of Oklahoma, hadn't you? What? Sang in the musical, didn't you? That's right. Started singing it to us a while ago. If you'd have sang it in the worship, I'd been even more blessed. Anyway, it's a place, it's called Redneck City. You heard of Rednecks? Yeah, it's called Redneck Country. Why would God bring two country kids from southeastern Oklahoma? In fact, a friend of mine told me when I arrived. Have you noticed? I may have been born in England, but my accent's not really English. Have you noticed that? Did anybody notice that? You're a perceptive crowd. England, they wouldn't have picked it up yet. No, anyway. And so, why? I remember a friend of mine said, colleague, I guess he was, maybe he wasn't a friend after all. He said, I don't know why God would bring somebody that talks like you here. He said, we need people with more contemporary accents. I don't know what a contemporary accent is. You see, it's not ours to understand, but it is ours to undertake. It's not ours to understand the word God gives us, the word of commandment he gives us. It is ours to undertake what God has said to us. Simple acts of obedience. A young girl comes into our home. Somebody brings to us. She's struggling with addictions. Woman referred to her, Mary. She was in our girls' center. We had a Teen Challenge Girls' Center. She broke every rule we had. And she made up rules and broke them. And they called me and said, You got to take her. I went to pick her up, loaded up the car with her stuff. She was 19 years old. She looked like she was 14. Didn't really know her story. But my heart was towards her. And, and, and uh, I, I didn't know what to do with her. I didn't want to put her back out. And I brought her home and parked in front of our Christian center, old, our original ministry place. And I said to Wilma, got Mary Murphy in the car. I don't know what to do with her. I said, bring her in. That was 37 years ago, and she's still in. <laughs> we begin to build this relationship. You know what happened? Someone said to me once, you know why we know you love the Irish people? Because you took one of our own in. 
Was that an act of spiritual warfare? It was. Acts of kindness, acts of goodness, acts of grace, or acts of spiritual warfare. Forget having to put all the armor on. Hopefully we live with the armor of the Lord on. It's not a matter, it's a matter of an act of kindness. We see somebody, in fact, last Father's Day, she and I spoke together. We spoke about being a father. Father's Day is coming up next week, right? We spoke about, I spoke about a father. How I'm actually intimidated even speaking because I, I, I believe I'm a good father. But I also think I could be better. And I got up and shared about being a father. And then Mary gets up and talks about the abuse she had suffered in those terrible institutions. Just reading about it this morning, the Magdalene laundries and the women of those are having a conference in Dublin today. It's a tragic scar on Irish history. It's a stain on our history. I'm sure Scotland has their own to worry about. And how we took, how she could not stand any kind of religious authority because she knew nothing but abuse from that. And she hated the word father. She had no idea who her father is or her mother. But through our acts of kindness, our acts of love, even acts of discipline, her whole image of Father God began to change. You see, when I say Father this morning, I say Father God, you see Father God through the lens of your own history and your own past. And if your father was abusive, if your father was absent, if you had no idea who your father is, that's the way you see your heavenly father until Jesus comes in your life and changes everything. But it doesn't happen overnight. Just meeting Jesus doesn't change everything. It's as you spend time with him. And as you become a part of a church, Wilma wasn't feeling the best last night. I said, look, she has problems sleeping because of food issues in her life. And I said, if you don't feel like it in the morning, she said, what do you mean don't feel like it? I love church. I love church because it's in church in the community of faith that God begins to work and God begins to minister and he knocks the edges off us, not because we're all perfect. Gaines said to me one time, I don't want to come to your church. There's too many hypocrites. I said, come on, one more won't make any difference. Everything changed. Her whole idea of what God was changed through a father of love, consistency, kindness, mercy, grace. She showed me her old black Bible that she's got. The other day, it's worn out. She said, you gave that to me on my first Christmas. Look what you wrote in it. Look what you wrote in it. And she's never had a problem calling his father. And she doesn't have any trouble with the father now because she sees the father through the lens of a kind, generous, caring, merciful father. You can change the way people see God through your lives. You can change the way people see God through your acts of kindness and mercy and grace. There's that weight of faith. We've done everything. We've worshiped. We had the Word of God. We've walked out the Word that God has given us. And this is a word for the Lord. 
longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he waits on high to have compassion on you. How blessed are all those who long for him. For your ears will hear a word behind you saying, This is the word. Walk in it. Yea, wait upon the Lord and renew their strength. Then they shall rise up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Do not be weary, Galatians says, in well-doing. For in due season you will reap if you faint not. You have need, Hebrews says, of endurance. That when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. You know what it it says there actually when it talks about endurance, the will, it's talking about an actual orchestrated attack of the enemy that's wanting to force you to quit in the face of adversity. I'm working on a book, kind of a journal, a story of our journey in Ireland, and the name of it's going to be, It's Always Too Soon to Quit. Say that with me. It's always too soon to quit. So while... David is on a hillside serving, taking care of dad's sheep. In fact, when Samuel comes to anoint the new leader, the new king of Israel, David is ignored initially. Even Samuel didn't think he was in the room. But whenever they said, is there another one? All the seven had passed through before him and no one was recognized. Samuel could not sense the anointing on anyone. And he said, yes, there's an eight. He's caring for the sheep. It was nearly like a byword. Oh, he's just the eight. The eight is God's word, number of new beginning. He said, yes, he's out there caring for the sheep. So while he was caring for the sheep, he was in preparation. He was in preparation. Notice what Samuel says. Samuel says this. I just saw this recently. Samuel says, we will all stand till he comes. We're not going to sit down because God has prepared this young man. You see, if God has a place for you, God will hold that place open until you're ready to fill it. 25 years serving in this church. And when God's time came, God had the place for Pastor Stevie. Amen. What was happening, David, on the hillside? Working with a slingshot. Why in the world? You know, it is said of Israel, they had 700 that could take a slingshot and put within the hairbreadths of the bullseye. So while he's out there working, while he's caring for dad's sheep, while he's being obedient to the Father, while he's serving Moses as Joshua, he's learning to hear the voice of the Lord and recognize the voice of the Lord. He keeps spinning that slingshot. It was all in preparation for the valley of Elah when he would take down the giant, Goliath, and the whole of Israel would begin to recognize there was a king in the wings awaiting to take Israel to its next place in him. Amen? Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we believe you're in the house today. We believe you're alone. And we ask you right now, Lord, that you've spoke hope and faith and confidence in a fresh way in the individual's lives here. Your heads bowed, please.
And you would say, there's a Jericho in my life. Pray for me. Slip your hand up. Do you do that here? Yes, yes, yes you do. Yes you do. There's a Jericho. Yes. There's a Jericho. Just slip your hand up. There's a Jericho. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. There's a Jericho in my life. There's a Jericho in my life. I want to see it come down. There's a Jericho in my life. Anyone else? Something happens when we lift our hand. It's a confession. It's saying, I can't do it. But by His grace, I can. Anybody else? Lift your hand. Say, yes, God bless you. Yes, bless you. Lord, we reach up to you right now. I want you that raise that one hand. I want you to raise the other hand. Like my friend, my friend who stood in the back of that church when Jenny gave her testimony to him and he said, I surrender. And we're saying by both hands up raised, I surrender. Lord, this Jericho, I can't bring it down, but I recognize your lordship and you're the captain of the host of the Lord. And I believe you will put a word in my spirit. It may be an act of kindness. It may be an act of forgiveness. It is an act of forgiveness to somebody. Facing into a relationship, it's an act of forgiveness. It's an act of forgiveness that will cause the Jericho to come down in Jesus' name. And we believe you this morning that the Jerichos will come down. We believe the Jericho will come down and we will come into the promise that you have given us in Jesus' name. Everybody stand. I want you to pray a prayer with me. And everyone stand. I want you to pray a prayer with me. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. This prayer and then we close. This prayer and then we close. Dear Lord Jesus, together again, dear Lord Jesus, we declare you're the captain of the host of the Lord. But more than that, you're the captain of my heart and the captain of my life and the captain.